0: You are now listening to The Place for Biblical End Times Truth, The Remnant Report.
1: listening to the fourth watch with justin fall on the fourth watch radio network i hope everyone's having a blessed week tonight's going to be a breakdown of different areas of paranormal hollow earth research that we've encountered personally behind the scenes in producing our upcoming film the dark chambers we are seeing an influx in inner earth mysticism and ancient black magic surfacing in the movies and TV shows, as well as even surfacing in mainstream historical research. And tonight, we break down some of our thoughts and findings as we've been on this journey. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the 4th Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Nazi Occultism, Shambhala, Anasazi, and Hollow Earth Research with special guests, Chad Riley and Westfall. Well, it's officially Thursday, and that means it's officially time for the Fourth Watch. It is such a blessing to be back with you all, and we've got a great show on tap tonight. If you're a new listener, we're very grateful to have you tuning in, and we want to let you know that there's a brand new show posted every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to head on over to fourthwatchradio.com, that's F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com, fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find show archives, links to our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, links to all of our websites, as well as a donate page that will show multiple ways you can help support the Fourth Watch Ministries. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes if that's your preferred method of listening. Also, a quick reminder, I'm only broadcasting the Fourth Watch Thursday show every other week while I'm working on the upcoming film, but be sure to tune in to Omega Frequency with BDK, airing Mondays on the Fourth Watch. Now, tonight we approach some interesting discussions surrounding our Hollow Earth film project, and we'll be breaking down various nuggets of information that we've come across personally on this amazing journey, as well as also covering some important updates for the film's release date. For those who aren't familiar by now, Fourth Watch Films is producing a two-part documentary film series entitled The Hollow Earth Chronicles, and we're currently working on episode one entitled The Dark Chambers. If you haven't checked out the extended trailer for the film yet, be sure to look it up on the Justin Fall YouTube channel. Unfortunately, we're limited on time tonight, so let's go ahead and welcome on Chad Riley and Wes Fall. Chad, Wes, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Fourth Watch.
2: Hello, hello. Hey there. Good to be on.
1: Always. So basically, we're going to be kind of doing a little update here. Uh, We just want to let everybody know what's going on. Um, We've been so busy just getting trying to get this film out the door, and things are moving forward. But uh, our release date has changed, and so we we want to go ahead and make a a couple announcements about the film and fill you guys in on some of the things we've been going through as we've been producing the film. Um, So initially, we were looking to have the film released sometime in uh, mid-May. Now, since then, we've had some changes with distribution and with editing, so uh, we're now looking to release the film. And I know some people are gonna be disappointed, but the film is now gonna be released. uh, What we're anticipating is August 1st. Now, what we are gonna offer, though, we are gonna be putting the film out. Uh, We're gonna do a pre-order. We're gonna have a limited number of pre-order available on fourthwatchfilms.com. And fourthwatchfilms.com is about to launch. Uh, Everything's set up, we just have to get it launched. And um, we will put an announcement out about that. But the film is going to be available for pre-order. Uh, and then after that, you'll be able to pick up the film through various different sites. So anyway, some people definitely want to get their hands on that pre-order. They want to go ahead and make sure that they get one of the first copies. Uh, you will be able to take part in that uh, as of probably the second or third week of May. That's, I think that's when we're going to launch the pre-orders. So I want to go ahead and get that out there.
2: Basically, just with an update on the film, um, it's been an awesome uh, honor and privilege working on this thing. It's um, I, I knew when we were actually sitting or going through meeting with the, um, the caliber of minds that we were able to and, and just being able to absorb the knowledge, I knew that I was going to have to go back and watch this over and over and over again because it's just it's mind-blowing information. And um, everyone that we actually got to sit down with, I mean, besides the stuff that we had um, off-camera with Fellowship, the stuff that's on camera it's just um it's taking it to the next level um I, I don't know of anybody else um who's been able to sit down with this all-star cast and put them all into one film so as we're um as we're going back through this uh the footage and cutting it down and putting it together um it's just uh, it's a reminder of uh of how awesome this topic is and it's uh even more so a reminder of how awesome everyone who's um who's participating in this film um how much of a blessing they are and um and seeing what they're doing for the work of the ministry and how important that is. Um, the, uh, the editing process is going awesome. We, we do have it down to, uh, to a science at this point. So um, that's a good thing. We've got a good flow with it. Um, Chad, you've been taking care of the business on the B-roll, man, and um, the, the research, and like you said, man, just going down the different rabbit trails. Um, I know that's got to be a little difficult in itself, but um, you've been killing it there. Um, everything that I'm seeing Justin do it as well. Um, just really kicking it up to the next level, man. this this is uh, the biggest and best project quality um, quality wise um, uh, topic wise that I've ever been able to work on. So I'm just um, I'm really excited about it and I'm seeing the Lord's hand in all of it as it was from the very beginning um, to now, and then through the completion of the film, this is gonna be a blessing for everybody who gets their their hands on a copy. So um, I just wanted to, to say that little brief bit there.
3: We appreciate everything you're doing as well, Wes, cause we know that you work full time and that you are still coming in and, and, and giving up time to sit down and go through. And
2: it's, it's a blessing, man. I mean, it has been, and I look forward to doing more in the future, man. Um, it, it's also a reminder of, uh, of all the fun that we had on the trip. And, um, I was just thinking about it today, man. We need to get back up to Wisconsin and uh, and jump on some of that Culbers with BDK. <laughs> BDK! <laughs> BDK! I was, I was waiting on it. <laughs> oh, by the way, man, BDK's knocking it out with the mega frequency. So thank you for all your hard work on that one too, buddy. All right, well, love you, bro. Love you, man. Love you, Chad. Grace and peace. Y'all uh, keep doing the good work.
3: Love you too, Wes. Have a good one.
2: Later, man.
1: So, yeah, basically, Wes is uh, he's working full time. He's coming home and he's putting in hours even when he gets home. Like, we'll we'll stay up late going through the edit decision list. And I mean, I can't even imagine he's got to be he's got to be just stretched in right now because, I mean, he's doing he he literally works full time. He gets up in the morning, goes to work, comes home at night, gets in the editing seat with me, goes over what I've been doing. We make changes. I mean, it's uh, and I couldn't do it. I mean, you know, this this film is a Fall Brothers production now, Chad, tell us a little bit about uh, some of your B-roll experiences. What are you finding out? Like, What are some of the things that you found in your B-roll research? I'll go
3: looking for one particular thing as far as photos or B-roll, and that usually takes me down eight or nine other trails. And i uh, been finding some uh, – I know that one of the things that you had brought up that you talked about uh, that I wasn't too up on, I ended up finding a lot more photos and uh, – information about one of the stories you talk about in the film what story was that uh, don't really want to mention it right now you know what I'm talking about
1: can you give us a little
3: clue uh, it has something to do with Los Angeles we'll leave it at that
1: so yeah one of the things that we are gonna be talking about in the film and I'm gonna just kind of give you all the nutshell version uh, we have uh, there are some very interesting historical connections we'll say with Los Angeles and the Hollow Earth and entities So, I mean, we're talking about going back on the timeline, like way back on the timeline. And there were some discoveries uh, very few people are talking about. That's going to be one of the things in the film. Uh, One of the things we've been working on recently is uh, the Native American legends. And uh, it was really cool to be able to talk with Joseph Riverwind. And one of the stories uh, of his people basically explains that their people came out of a cave. And this is really interesting because the cave was discovered. And we'll just go ahead and give you guys a little tidbit about this. Um, this particular group of Native American Indians, their story takes them all the way back inside the earth and that they emerged from a cave. And this cave leads down into a massive subterranean city. Like, I mean, huge. Like, you could get lost in it. So that's one of the really cool stories that we're talking about in the film. Uh, we're going to spotlight some of the Native American beliefs. Um, recently, and I say recently, like the, the area that I'm working on right now is the Nazi connection. Now, many of you have heard the old Hollow earth series that I did Uh, years ago, where I got into a lot of side issues of Hollow Earth, Uh, you know, main issues and side issues surrounding the Nazis and their involvement. But one of the things that really blows my mind is how dedicated the Nazis were to this Hollow Earth. And we're not just talking about going to Antarctica. I mean, it's so much deeper than that. There's so much more information there and, I mean, my mind has been blown, even as I've dug deeper into the, the Thule Society and the Vril Society. Well,
3: Thule Society's actually been around for a very long time. They were influenced heavily by Helena Blavatsky's teachings that they were of a superior race, that they were the Aryan bloodline, and that's basically one of the things that fueled the Germans to travel all over the world because they didn't just go to, like you said, to Antarctica uh, they were all over the place. They, they were uh, in Egypt. They went to South America. They went to um, basically Tibet. You know, they, they, they were all over the place scouring for old ancient texts that uh, basically traced it back. Even uh, like Jim Wilhelmson brought up in the film that they went to um, Scotland and they were looking for the Eddas and they were researching the Eddas because they talked about the, the Nordic gods and the inner earth connections so it's, it's, it's a lot.
1: One thing we see, it's like a reoccurring theme in Hollywood is that the Nazis are, in, they've always been involved in black magic, sorcery, opening of portals, um, communicating with entities, with gods of old. And I mean, we, we see this portrayal in many films. Uh, I mean, even, even as a kid, I remember And LA Marzulli mentioned this, and this is in one of the deleted scenes, maybe uh, it didn't make the film, but he mentions that the Nazis, you know, show up in the, uh, the Indiana Jones films. And you see them; they're always there. Like the Nazis, it's like it's like the turd that won't flush. Anytime there's something supernatural, paranormal, ancient, archaic, the Nazis are like the first on the ground. Like they're always there, popping up. You see it in Hellboy, um, and, and the list goes on. But you know, there's there's a theory out there, Chad, that the Nazis escaped after the war, and that they went to the moon. Now. I don't want to be critical here because I know some people that, that, that tune in, they, they believe this idea that the Nazis have set up a base on the moon. Um, I, I, I Honestly, I think that's disinformation. I'm just going to be real honest. Like, I, I don't believe the Nazis have a base on the moon. Um, I believe that the Nazis made it to Antarctica, and we're going to prove this in the film. We're going to explain a whole lot about base 211 and, all, and you know all that surrounds it. But that's one of the popular conspiracy theories that the Nazis made it to the moon and that they had set up a base and that they were somehow living there. And there's even been a movie that came out, which was somewhat comical uh, about the Nazis going to the moon and setting up shop there. And it's in my opinion, it was more so like making fun of that belief. It really made it into a comical scenario where they're kind of poking fun at people who believe that uh, it was just so far out there. Uh, I don't recommend the movie, by the way. It was really cheesy. And man, I don't know. I don't think it had any nudity, but I think it had some bad language. But uh, it was a waste of time. But a lot of conspiracy theories are surrounding the Nazis and, and their secret societies and what they did. And so one of the things that we aim to do in the film is to kind of hash through all that in our research. We're going to save everybody the time so they don't have to go through all that. And we're going to filter through and pull the truth out of the lies so that we can break down exactly what the Nazis were doing, how their, their uh, goal was set around the hollow earth and the gods. And they even believed that they were the watered down bloodline of the Aryans. And so basically you have an as above, so below situation. You've got the Nazis on the surface. You've got the, um, these hybrid races, these, these godlike races inside the earth that are pure races, according to their doctrine. And so the goal is to bring about this revival, if you will. And this revival basically consists of purifying the human race, getting the human race closer to the purebred godlike DNA of these inner earth inhabitants. And the problem with that is that that involves not only reverse engineering on on human DNA structure, that also, I mean, we're dealing with transhumanism. And so it's funny because this goes all the way back, and, and as Eli Marzulli said, we're dealing with eugenics on steroids. I mean, th- this is beyond eugenics. This is like a whole different you know, category of eugenics. One
3: of the biggest things that they kept out of the Nuremberg trials was a lot of the stuff that tied in with the occult they suppressed that, did not want that to come out because they were deathly afraid that a uh, vast majority of the Nazis would have actually gotten off if they, if the, the whole thing about the, all the occult stuff that was going on over there had actually came out in the Nuremberg trials. And, I mean, you get into a lot of that stuff. I mean, even when Himmler was actually traveling around to go to Shambhala and a lot of these different places, the and all over the world, where they, wherever they were going, they were literally – Taking books that had to do with the occult, and whenever they conquered lands like Poland and this and that, they any any place that they conquered and they took over, they stole all the books that had to do with the occult. And uh, I think it was just here recently, within the last year, uh, they actually found a room in a uh, museum or a library that actually belonged to Himmler, and it had over thirty thousand occult books in that one room.
1: You know, one thing that kind of blows my mind about this topic is that, uh, you know, I was doing research about two years ago on cursed objects. Right. And we're dealing with these these relics, um, ritual relics, relics that are used in opening up portals, um, relics that are connected with ancient gods, with all types of sorcery, all types of magic. And they get found on these expeditions, right? Like they've, they've resurfaced or they were, we'll just say sometimes they're casualties of war or uh, spoils of war. I mean, where, you know, they, they get, they get brought to the surface. They get dated or they try to date them at least. And then they put them in museums and people come from all over the world to see these ancient satanic archaic relics. And what's crazy is that there are stories surrounding these relics that the people who have handled some of them have died. Crazy things happen. They they turn around. They flip on their side. Uh, Weird stuff surrounds these relics. And the Nazis were out trying to get these relics, not to put on display, but to use them in literally opening up the doorways or the gates of the earth, the portals, to bring in their gods. So I'm kind of blown away because it's like nowadays people travel to these museums and they want to see these things. But there are countless stories on record about these particular relics and curses that surround them. What we're dealing with here is that there are entities attached to these relics. Now, if anybody wants to listen to one of the old shows I did, it's called Relics. I think I don't remember the full title, but Relics is in the title. But these are the, these are the kind of things that surround these things. I mean, the entities surround these relics. The entities surround these books. It's a popular known fact in the occult. Whenever they put books out that contain rituals and, and spells, generally these books they put them out with familiar spirits so that when people get their hands on these books, what's going to happen is that they automatically are dealing with spirits before they've even conjured up any of these spells. Like as soon as that book comes into their house, there are now at least some familiar spirits that are brought into the home. And somebody that I know is burning some books recently. And there was a spell book in there that would not burn. Like they told me that they had to relight the fire, that when they put in that spell book, like it literally was trying to like choke out the fire. And I just got this story from somebody very close to me that I know. I mean, this this happened. Matter of fact, some pictures were sent to me of the fire. That, that's what's going on with these things. They're not just simple books. They're not just simple statues They're not just simple logos or dream catchers, you know, for art. These things have spirits attached to them. And the Nazis knew this. And that's why the Nazis had to get their hands on these things, because it was not just a piece of decoration. This was the real deal. But, you know, you mentioned Himmler going around and collecting these things from all over the place. They knew, the Nazis knew what was connected to these things, and they were dead set. This was part of their agenda, was getting their hands on these satanic relics, because they knew that they had entities attached.
3: Yeah, a lot of the uh, Nordic runes that... uh... Are used in a lot of the symbology that uh, the Nazis used, like the SS. The SS soldiers had the two lightning boats. That single lightning boat that was actually used by the Hitler Youth, and the actual word associated with that rune is power. So that's the thing is that you know the Hitler Youth had the power symbol, and then the the SS actually had double power. So I mean that's the thing. All these symbols, even the swastika itself. I mean that's that's a it was a uh, rune symbol, but, I mean, that symbol was found all over the planet in every culture for, you know, well back over a thousand years, maybe
1: further. Well, even the king of the inner earth, who who I believe is Lucifer, uh, no doubt about that. But even this, this king of the world, this king of the earth that we, we hear about in Admiral Byrd's diary and we read about this, this same entity showing up in other stories. Why does he have swastikas? Why do the swastikas... Uh, show up inside the earth. I mean, we're dealing with cultures that predate Nazi Germany that use the swastika. And they had nothing to do with Nazi, you know, with Nazi beliefs. I mean, granted, there, there's still occultism going on there, but they had two different types of political agendas, but they all had the swastika. The swastika shows up on these flying, f- flying saucer discs, or what people call UFOs, uh, coming up from out of inside the earth. The swastika is a major symbol I mean, Hindus use it. Buddhists use it. It's, you know, but in modern society, when you see the swastika, generally your mind is going to say Nazi because it was popularized by the Nazis.
3: I think it was Helena Blavatsky in her book, uh, The Secret Doctrine, Volume 2. She actually associated the swastika with the Aryans. And like I said, that was when the Germans, they took it and ran with it.
1: But the power symbol you were talking about. It shows up now in a singularity form. It shows up on certain electrical stickers. Like when you buy a certain product, it's got a sticker on there. You'll see that that same symbol, but it'll have a little arrow on the bottom of it. Yeah, hence the word power. Hence the word power. You know, Marilyn Manson used the same symbol, but he was obviously pulling from Nazi some I mean, he was he was big into Nazi symbology for one of his albums. He was really, um, you know, he would collect like Nazi artifacts and whatnot. But these symbols are definitely uh, major power. Uh, what's the word I can can even surround this with? Um, It's a a spiritual power center. Like These symbols draw energy from what we'll just call other dimensions, demonic realms. And so it's very important to understand that the Nazis knew what they were doing. This wasn't just some little idea. This was a massive agenda that is carried over into the United States government. It's carried over into other governments. Um, There's been major infiltration taking place. But these are areas that we're definitely breaking down in the film. Um, you know, I'm still, my mind is blown as, as, we, as we get into some of the Native American research. Um, the Native Americans, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, one, one of the, the themes that shows up is that the belief system, the story, the, the creation story, the flood story, um, it seems to kind of show up around the world constantly, and as we have delved deeper into the Hollow Earth research, we found that a lot of the Hollow Earth beliefs, although some of the names might be changed, some of the entities are called different things, uh, the stories and the themes are almost identical between the cultures.
3: Even the words, some of the words actually match up as well. Remember the, uh, the ant people? The word actually breaks down to the Anunnaki.
1: And that's dealing with uh, the Hopi, the ant people, Anunnaki, you know, and it's just it's pronounced a little bit differently than we say today Anunnaki, but it's the same word. But Joseph Fervon made a really cool point in the film that the reason that he believes that all of these stories line up together is because there was a time in in, in ancient history where all of the earth was one land, and they called it Turtle Island because it it came up out of the water like the shell of a turtle. And obviously, uh, after the Tower of Babel, when when confusion got struck down on the earth and uh, the, the ground quaked... At that point, everything was separated. That makes the most sense, and that lines up with the Native American traditions. That lines up with the continental drift theory. But it's interesting because he he brought up the fact that that's the reason why all the cultures of the world have similar beliefs in some of these ancient stories. But they've changed a couple details, you know, just depending on how it was taught to them.
3: Yeah, that also ties in with the thing that me and you've been talking about a little bit about the Council of the Nine about the nine gods and all the different cultures around the world as well.
1: We did not really get too deep into the Council of Nine in the film, but I know you've done some research on this. So just for fun, break that down for people who may not have heard of that.
3: In all the different cultures around the world, there's actually nine predominant gods in each culture, whether it be Egyptian, Sumerian, um, Greek, you name it. And that's the thing is that, there's actually been channeling sessions in some of the elite bloodlines, like the DuPonts and so on, where they have actually channeled the these beings called the Nine. And that's the thing, is that the, the, all these channeling sessions that these elites have had, they basically said that they are going to return. They are coming back.
1: Now, and, and one of the things that blows my mind is that we have uh, Native American prophecies. Prophecies that specifically say... That there's going to be a resurrection of the gods. A returning of the gods. And there's even certain locations. Strategic locations on earth. Which we are going to break down in the film. Where the Native Americans don't even go to. Like they, it's, it's on their property. They know where it is. They'll talk about it. They'll point to it. But they consider they've got to keep distance from the location. But they're guarding it. For that time. Which... We're going to even break down the timing and some of the prophecy in, in the film.
3: While you had me looking into that, one of the things that I actually stumbled onto was that uh, Rorick and uh, Helena Blavatsky were actually channeling the same being.
1: Ah, yes. El Mariah. Yeah. That,
3: that blew my mind when I stumbled on that.
1: Well, Nicholas Rorick, you know, he's looked at as a patron. I mean, he, he's a hero. Now, I, I don't believe this, but this is how he's kind of sold to the public. You know, uh, the first time Wes and I heard about Nicholas Rorick, I think we were in film school and we were watching, I believe it was a Chris Pinto film, which, by the way, Chris Pinto, I mean, some of his films um, were the inspiration for Wes and I to even make documentaries years ago. Uh, total honor and blessing to be able to work with Chris Pinto on some stuff. But we're sitting here learning about Nicholas Rorick, and you know, you, you just—you run a basic search on the guy on the Internet, and, I mean, there's libraries dedicated to him. Uh, he's considered a, a pillar, almost like he's a... Uh, a a pillar of integrity and honor in the world. And that blows my mind because we're dealing with a guy who was, I mean, he was an occultist. I mean, we're talking major occultist who had the funds, he had the means to travel the world, very much like the Ananerbe did, the the Nazi society. Um, I mean, he basically traveled the world. Um, I mean, the guy, I I just, I wanna go ahead and just say some things about him. I know we we break down a little bit about him in the film. he always had a box. <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Nicholas Rourke always had a box. I mean, there's like replicas of his box. There's pictures of his box all over the place. He always carried around this little box. It's kind of like the box of mystery. Everybody knows that he carried this box. I mean, it was almost like a baby with a pacifier. You never saw him without the box. And there's a lot of speculation about the box. Some people believe that it had Osiris's DNA in it. Um, but most of the New Agers believe that he was carrying around a stone, an alien stone. And I know this might sound crazy, but it was a stone that was known as the Chinamani Stone. And I know we're giving away just a little snippet of the film here, but that's okay, because it's about the information. And they believed that this stone was one of the power stones that belonged to the entities of inner earth. And so part of uh, Rorick's mission, if in fact he was carrying this stone, if it wasn't DNA from Osiris, I mean, it's possible that he had both in the box. I don't know. But the idea was he was trying to get back down inside the earth so that he could return the stone to the entities that ruled over the inner earth. So he was doing them a favor, basically. Almost kind of like a reverse role of Enoch. In the book of Enoch, the fallen angels had had, uh, Enoch to communicate between them and God because they couldn't go directly to God because of their sin. And Enoch makes a point. He says what's wrong with you guys? He says how perverted is this situation? He says y'all were created to be the messengers between God and man, but y'all have sinned, and now I've got to be the messenger between you and God. So, it's kind of like a reversal role where where there's certain people in the occult that are they're deemed these chosen individuals, almost like the elect of the occult. They've been elected in the spiritual realm by the dark powers, by the principalities, and they've been set up to take on these tasks to do the bidding and the dirty work of the entities. And that's what we see with Nicholas Rorick. But like I said, he he is deemed as a hero. That's what's messed up about all this. He's considered a hero. They've got libraries named after him. I mean, people have dedicated books to him. Um, He's always painted as a hero or some kind of a patron saint, if you will.
3: One of the uh, flags that he created that uh, was a flag for Shambhala, which is the uh, circle with three dots inside of it. I've actually seen that being used in a lot of the nazi occult stuff as well
1: well i mean things are definitely heating up in 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 the area of the hollow earth and and it it all ties back into bible prophecy i mean literally um you know one of the things that it just it, it, it bothers me the average christian they have no problem believing in the virgin birth okay they got no problem believing with a talking donkey they got no problem believing that uh enoch was taken up Elijah was taken up supernaturally they got no problem with the Ezekiel's will even though they they don't understand it you know they still say well yeah we believe it you know we take it by faith so they believe in all the supernaturalism of the scripture at least a lot of it but you start talking UFOs or entities and demonic possession and you know you go down this this hole of end times deception And they want to get out of the conversation as quick as possible. Like, they they want to bolt. They don't want to have this conversation. They don't want to discuss it. They don't believe it. They want to deny it. And so that's one of the problems that we're seeing. And it's like, why is this information important? Because this is the coming war that is coming upon the face of this earth. When the gates of earth are opened up, when the entities surface, when the gods of old return, and there's even prophetic passages in scripture, which we're going to break down in the film, about the giants returning in full battle gear. And this is not speculation. This is right out of the scripture. So now um, I kind of want to move this in a different direction, still on the topic of hollow earth. Now, we've been conditioned about the hollow earth. I mean, we, we have movies and books that have come out that have really brought this idea to the mainstream. And kind of like when you're dealing with the UFO situation, the movies have brought it out to kind of like condition us so that when it does surface mainstream, people aren't shocked kind of like uh, pre-programming if you will the idea of this inner earth or this kingdom inside the earth it's really getting big I mean you obviously you've got Jules Verne you've got Journey to the Center of the Earth which is a very you know popular adventure book which many people believe that it's not an adventure book many people actually hold to the idea that it's a real book with real information in it um, you know and obviously people who have seen the movies they know that, that you know there's a group of people that they've deemed the Vernians I think is what they call them. But there's two pieces of of entertainment that have come out in the last year, and one of those was Doctor Strange. Now, uh, many people have seen the movie Doctor Strange. It's a Marvel Comics movie, and it's not only heavily bathed in occultism, but it's tying into this whole idea of Shambhala, lightly speaking. I mean, there's references. But going even deeper, we have this Netflix series, which has come out recently, which is called The Iron Fist. Now, I didn't know that the Iron Fist was dealing so bluntly with Shambhala and with the Hollow Earth. And, and and when I say bluntly, I mean, we're not just dealing with Shambhala and the Hollow Earth, but we're dealing with actual information about the portal's opening on a schedule where you can't enter into that realm unless it's within a certain time frame. Like, it's all on this occult calendar. The opening and the closing. And they even use real mountain ranges, that are part of the Shambhala mountain range sect when you get into the research. I mean, like, there's actual real information in Iron Fist. It's putting it out there. Now, Chad, you're the one that – you saw Iron Fist before I saw it. Yeah. Like, you you had already started watching it, and you are like, man, have you seen it yet? And I was like, no, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. And you're like, dude, it's it's really getting into some of the, the stuff that we've been researching.
3: And Iron Fist, they actually call it Kun I believe. And uh, like you said, it, it opens and closes – every fifteen years the portal opens and then basically it's accessible. And supposedly during this time frame, that's when it's basically open for anybody can invade and go in there. And that's the whole sole purpose of the Iron Fist is to protect the temple whenever it's open. And yeah, it's 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 totally talking about you know, Shambhala and all that because I mean it's talking about the mountaintops at Tibet and all that and it's very interesting, but uh, like you said, it, it, it has a lot of occult stuff that's actually drenched in there, and when you sit down, and like I said, you've done the research and you watch this, you're just like, okay, yeah, uh, I, I see exactly what they're talking about, where they're going with this.
1: Well, the Kunlan mountain range, it's a real mountain range. I think that's the bottom line. It's a real mountain range. It's in the vicinity of the openings. You know, There's multiple openings. They're guarded by monks. You can't just walk up in there. Uh, now, Hitler was able to get in, okay, and we would do a whole breakdown of this in the film, because Hitler, when I say Hitler, let's just say the Nazis, okay, because there was two major expeditions going on around the same time, okay, you had the Nazi expedition to Shambhala, or Tibet, whatever you want to call it, because um, obviously Shambhala is not Tibet, but it's through Tibet to get there, but then you also, at the same time, you had the Nazi expeditions taking place to New Schwabenland, which, you know, we we call today Antarctica, so you had two major Nazi expeditions going on, literally in the same vicinity of time. So obviously not everybody that was going to Antarctica could have been going to Shambhala. But what's crazy about their expedition to Shambhala is that they, there was political persuasion involved. And in this persuasion, the monks allowed the Nazis, they opened up parts of the earth that were guarded for centuries. That I mean, you can't just go up in there. Even if you had all the money in the world, you couldn't just go in there because you know what? To these monks, money doesn't mean anything. It literally was opened up to them because of political persuasion. And that's a whole other story. But they not only opened up the gates of the earth, the, these these areas that lead down into Shambhala. They literally allowed the Nazis to go down there. They guided them. And the Nazis in this, this expedition were able to meet with what we would call the White Brotherhood. Now that on the surface that might sound like some human beings wearing you know KKK outfits, that's not what it was. We're talking about the actual White Brotherhood, the actual entities of Inner Earth, which we would specifically call of the Aryans.
3: That is part of their belief that the uh, that the Shambala, the the inner world, is actually protected by the monks. I mean, they will guard it to the death.
1: And that's what was happening here. But because of the political persuasion involved, they needed to be in good with the Nazis at this time. You know, and we've even got our hands on some very rare photos of some sit downs that the nazis were able to go and meet i mean i mean th- we have documented evidence of their trip to tibet i mean this is not a, it's not a conspiracy theory this really happened we've got proof of this but it's interesting because in the iron fist you're not just dealing with this guy who who you know he he ends up getting to a plane wreck as a child some of the monks find him in the himalayan mountains they rescue him his mom and dad are dead They rescue the child they raise him up as a monk and they teach him the art the occult arts and he's able to channel this gift if you want to call it a gift it's more of a possession if you will he's able to channel this this gift in their occultism, where he gets the iron fist and so his fist will glow and he can literally do a plethora of, of unbelievable actions with this fist when it glows i mean Uh, We find out that he can heal people with it. We find out that he can break open gates with it. He can punch through walls. Uh, I mean, there's really no limit to the iron fist. But the thing is, he only is able to utilize this occult gift if his chi is in order. Now, this is this is occultism. I mean, this is like straight up occultism. You can't access this unless your chi is in order. So what it is, it's channeling. They go on to explain he has to get spiritually right he has to have his mind in the right place in order to do this it, it's, it all boils down to channeling and bringing in what we know as spirit guides which are demons and it's through this that he's able to channel the iron fist so you know they're putting real information out there involving not just the the Kuhn-Lao mountains but also involving the mysticism involved this is inner earth mysticism and they make it really adventurous and really cool to where you would want to go do this you know you would want to go into the entrance you know, the, the gates are open just for a short amount of time. Because remember, Chad, his buddy, the other monk, comes to try to get him. Say, hey, you have abandoned, you know, you've abandoned your brothers. You've got to come back. And we only have so much time before the gate closes. And they're speaking of a portal. It's a portal. You know, you, you got to get back before the portal closes to make your entrance back down into the earth. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they don't call it Shambhala. They actually call this realm Kunlun. I, I believe that's what they're calling it which is based on the Kunlun mountain range, which right there is where the opening is set to be.
3: Yeah. And again, I mean, you also have, uh, what was it? Oh, and, uh, Vernon von Braun. They actually came out on record and said that, you know, we had received help from beings from another dimension. So, I mean, it, it, it's all ties in with one another.
1: I tend to lean towards the idea that most of the entities are abiding inside the earth. But one thing I've come to find in this research, Chad, is that I lean towards the idea that whether there's a portal on the earth, on a mountaintop, I believe that they're all connected. I believe that we're dealing with dimensions, dimensional doorways. Yes. There are caverns in the earth that you can go find, you know, as with the, the wind cave, you know, the cave that uh, Joseph everyone's people uh, emerged from in their story. Um, yes, we, we can take expeditions down into the earth, but there's going to be certain realms of the earth or pockets, if you want to call it a pocket, where it's a dimension and you can't just access it. It's kind of like you're sitting in your house right now and you're in a room, but if you pulled out a Ouija board, you could open up a portal or a doorway right there, and you could see the spirits that are already in that location in another dimension. Literally, I mean, you can walk into a room and feel the energy. Sometimes you can't see anything, but you feel the energy, you feel the spiritual, the, the, the demonic spiritual presence. And so, I really think that that's one of the things that I've learned so much. Like I've been, I've been growing a lot in my knowledge um, over the over the last three years since I've been researching the Hollow Earth. I've really come to understand a better balance of what's really going on with it. And I'm not claiming to have every detail figured out, but I feel like I have a really good grasp on, on the majority of, of what's going on here. So you've got these these doorways or what some call the gates of the earth, you know, and, and this is going right back to the Anasazi, which is a very strange, um, strange Native American tribe, which literally disappeared overnight. You know, we do a segment on this in the film, breaking down a little more detail, but they disappear overnight. And they were connected, they were taught to set up their sanctuaries inside the earth. The sanctuaries in which they would do their rituals, in which they would do their magic, their sorcery, inside the earth.
3: Well, they were also opening portals. They were opening portals and going through through these portals into other locations, other dimensions. And uh, apparently at one point it said that uh, portals opened and that giants came out as well as serpentine beings and literally started attacking them.
1: And that's one of the things that always shows up is these serpentine creatures, you know. And and we're going to really we're going to break this down in the film. I say it like that. We we've got a whole section breaking this down because the average Christian, they hear the word reptilian and they instantly think conspiracy theory, like crazy sci-fi X-files, but we explain more biblically how we can understand that in the film, but it's true the flaming serpents would come through these portals. I mean, this is not just the Anasazi, but other tribes as well have documented these, these serpent creatures coming through. So, I mean, it, it's it's beyond anything that the average mind can comprehend without doing research and then finding the biblical connections to better understand it. But we, we see this crazy movie um, getting into the Anasazi and some of the, the myths and legends surrounding it uh, with Kevin Bacon in it, and this movie came out in 2016 called The Darkness. Now I'm watching this movie, and uh, my, I'm watching it with Wes, and, and, and we were just like, "Whoa! Like this is crazy!" Because we, you know, we just got done interviewing Tom Horn and talking about these things for the film, and they're putting this out there in the mainstream about the Anasazi, and uh, even crossing over into portals, to where people could open up portals in their own home with these rune stones and enter into the Anasazi. Like, like you're in your bedroom and you open up this portal and your wall, like your bedroom wall turns into a portal and you can walk through and you are now down in the Grand Canyon area in the earth in one of the Anasazi temples. That temple is the only thing I could even think to call it. But, you know, I called you, Chad. I was like, dude, you got to see this movie. This is crazy. It's like it's like putting in real information out there. It's it's like further conditioning people. When
3: you called me up and was telling me about it, I was actually looking into Anasazi research, which was weird because I was going through a bunch of Anasazi videos. And then you called me up. You're like, oh, you gotta watch this movie. You gotta check it out. And I get on there and I start watching it. And i was like, okay, this is weird because I was looking at Anasazi stuff when you called and was telling me about it. So
1: what's really crazy about all this, Chad, is like the the child in the movie who was, um, we'll just say the channel. You know, he was the channel, basically. He was the one who was used by the entities. You know, he falls through an entrance into the earth when his family's out on vacation. Like they're out having vacation out here in in, in the middle of of the the Grand Canyon area. I think it was the Grand Canyon area. He falls through this opening and he's now inside the, the temple of the Anasazi. And he finds the rune stones that are placed perfectly on the altar. And he takes one. So, right there, by taking that stone, he broke the protective barrier in the occult belief system that kept their gods at bay. And these are evil, wicked gods. Okay, these are dark entities. So then he comes back home with the stone, and I should probably go ahead and say the kid has autism.
3: Yeah, because that brought up a a thing where I got in and doing some research on that, wanted to see if there was any kind of connection between autism and basically, if they are connected to the spirit world or spirits, uh, demonic, you know, anything demonic. And I think I found probably about 15 or 16 articles where there were actual articles that connected autism with the basically them being more open to the spirit world. And I thought that was very odd as well.
1: And they're bringing this out in the movie. I mean, they're they're showing in the movie that the research lines up showing that autistic children or, or adults I would just say autistic people in general um, have a different connection in perceiving the spirit realm
3: a reality period e-
1: exactly, and I mean we know that, that autistic children or autistic people sometimes are some of the most brilliant people that are out there they, they get you know they, they get demonized a lot, people think that they're that they're not intelligent, but this has nothing to do with their intelligence they're very a lot of the autistic kids are more creative than other kids uh, because they're living in a different world than you and I are. And, you know, even though I do believe that autism is caused by majority, I believe autism is caused by vaccines. There's even been CDC reports coming out, or medical journal reports coming out showing that there is proof now, mainstream media covered it, that a large portion of autism cases are linked to heavy metals and toxic materials in the vaccines that they're giving children. But regardless, the interesting thing with autism is that we do have a lot of stories where autistic children or autistic adults are more in tune with the spirit world. They're more sensitive to the spiritual surroundings, good and bad. You know, I mean, before I knew about this, I knew that animals, I knew that dogs and cats were very sensitive to the spirit world. Uh, Goodness, I mean, dogs will go crazy if there's a demonic spiritual presence coming close. I mean, there's nothing to be causing the dog to go crazy. I mean, you look outside, there's nothing outside. You circle your house with a flashlight. Nobody's out there. But the dog is going straight up nuts. Cats, same thing. Now I'm not a big cat person, but you know, I don't, I don't have cats, but I've heard stories. But I know for a fact the dogs, the dogs are onto this. I'm just making a point that before I learned about autistic situations connecting to spiritual situations, all I knew about was children in general and dogs and cats, because I mean children are very sensitive to the spirit realm. But then you take a child who's autistic and a child, and it's like double whammy. Now, somebody's probably going to get offended with what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just sharing research that we have found as we've studied these things out. And these are things that we studied out in the Hollow Earth research as we studied the Anasazi. But I just want to make the point that movies are really coming out hard, bringing bits of real information. Not saying that the entire movie's true. Not saying that everything that they're selling is good doctrine. I'm just saying that nowadays movies are getting more bold. They're coming out. They're touching these issues of the spirit realm, ancient belief systems. Hollow earth, inner earth, entities, possession, channeling, superpowers, it's ramping up. And it's not until you're really, you know, knee deep or or neck deep in hollow earth research as we've been, that you start seeing some of these connections with the hollow earth in the movies. Because the average person watches this stuff and they don't think hollow earth. They just think, oh, scary movie or supernatural, sci-fi. But when you're neck deep in this research, you're like, wow, I can see the connections.
3: I think we've definitely gotten people's attention. They're definitely gonna, they're gonna be floored when they see this documentary. Like I said, I mean, I'm I'm still floored, and I was there while we were recording it, and man, yeah.
1: Well, editing it, you know, editing it's different. You know, when you're there and you're filming it, you're you're just like, wow, this is you know so much information overload. But then when you get in the edit suite and you start you know outsourcing B roll, it's like man, like wow, it, like it's like a just hits you like a ton of bricks in the face. It's it's very deep information. Um, yeah. And again, why is this stuff important? You know, somebody asked me recently, they said, well, even if the earth is hollow, which it is hollow. OK, look, we're going to prove without a shadow of a doubt that the earth is hollow. There is truth to the inner earth. Whether you want to call it hollow earth, whether you want to call it subterranean, um, whether you want to call it extra dimensional, you know, extra dimensional realms. And you call it whatever you want to call it. You know, we're not selling the idea of the hollow earth theory based on the New Age movement. Matter of fact, this film is discrediting and disproving the New Age lies, debunking
3: yeah because they're 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 coming at it from an occult point of view that's the thing is let's just call it what it is they they believe in the occult view period we are coming at it from a biblical point of view and that's the thing is that this does tie into revelation this is bible prophecy this is going to happen it's going to come to pass
1: it is and these things have been going on i mean this is the ancient war the cosmic war and a lot of people don't understand the connections with the cosmic war Spiritual warfare, the heavens, and the inner earth. People don't understand these things, and it's important that they do start to grow in their knowledge.
3: Yeah, because this 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 ties in with what uh, Steve Quill is always saying: the men's hearts failing them for fear for looking upon those things coming upon the earth. Well, if it's written in the Bible, probably need to need to take heed and listen to what they're saying, because I mean th- that's the thing: is if you're not prepared for something. You're going to be caught totally off guard, and you're not going to be able to deal with it. Period.
1: It's absolutely true. And so what we're doing is we're trying to we're, we're putting out information in a format where people can see we we are debunking the New Age lies. We're showing what the people believe from around the world, how they all tie together. You know, whether it be from their their origins of of civilization, whether it be from their gods, uh, their spirit guides all over the world. We're dealing with inner Earth expeditions. We're dealing with tangible facts. Now, granted, some of the history that we're going to be covering, it is oral tradition, but it has been written down in their cultures, but it's still what we would call oral tradition. Um, But we're breaking it down to, to paint the picture. You know, the first film is really setting the scene of there is a hollow earth. There is a subterranean realm or an inner earth realm, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, it's undeniable. The Bible completely sells this idea as well. The the Bible literally, if you know where to look, you can see the context very clearly that there are things going on inside the earth. There are things going on that require Satan's direct attention in the earth. And we're going to be breaking that down. So I'm I'm really excited about getting this film out. And one more time, uh, the, the release date as of now is looking like August 1st. And I know that's a little bit down the road than we initially talked um, but it's going to be worth the wait, I promise. It's going to be worth the wait. Now, the trailer does say May, and so we still are planning on taking uh, pre-orders in May, like I've already said, and we, we've got a very limited number. We've only got 10,000 copies available for pre-order, um, but it's going to guarantee that you're going to get the copy on the first run. That's basically the benefit of getting the pre-order sales. Uh, fourthwatchfilms.com, all spelled out. You're not going to find Fourth Watch Films launched until probably about a week from now, roughly a week, maybe two weeks. But just want you to know, I'll definitely I'm going to be putting up a video on YouTube, uh, just kind of reiterating the, the updates on the film, the release dates, how you can get it. So stay tuned into the Justin Fall YouTube channel for that. Um, we've got some really action packed fourth watch episodes coming up where we're going to be talking about some of these different hollow earth details even deeper than we've gone before. So we've got a lot of different things we are going to be hitting uh, in the next month or two on the fourth watch. Got a lot on the agenda right now. Um, anyway with that said uh, we are gonna go ahead and close this thing off uh, hopefully you guys have been blessed with the discussion tonight and this this has been a live recording I mean this is this is literally you're, you're just getting an off-the-cuff update this is the kind of discussion that we have you know when Chad and I get on the phone I mean we <laughs> this is what we talk about <laughs> I mean you guys you guys are getting the, the kind of discussions that I have with, with my friends on a regular basis um, about our research but just want to get something out there for you guys uh, just a good discussion for you to kind of marinate on this week. And uh, once again, thank you to BDK for all that he's doing on the fourth watch. And uh, Phil Baker, I know he's uh, he's played an integral part in uh, the shows as well. So thank you, Phil. Thank you, BDK. God bless you guys. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, God bless you all. And I, I thank you all for tuning in. And uh, Chad, thanks for coming on. And uh, man, we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but it's, uh, it's coming along and it is worth every second of labor that we're putting into this project. Yes. God bless everybody. Y'all take care. All right, talk to you later. Well, that was an interesting discussion, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's interesting that we had this discussion when we did, because we are literally in the midst of Passover. It's the time of year that we remember that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. He was literally the blood on the doorposts. His blood paid for our sins. Galatians 1.4 tells us specifically that Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our father. So being a part of the body of Christ, we are forgiven of our sins, but going further, we are delivered from this satanic world system of wickedness, having our eyes opened to the truth of Jesus. And in this, we are delivered from these demonic deceptions that seem to have the world completely hypnotized. We see that this world system is an ancient deception gripping the hearts of mankind in their personal search for mystical occult fulfillment or even spiritual fulfillment of various natures. And while many have sought after these esoteric lies, they have never filled the very void that they were trying to fill. This is the constant underlying theme in the mystic religions of the world and their lying entities. We are seeing this over and over in our research. Man is searching to be as God's and to be spiritually empowered somehow, all the while missing the very purpose of our being. So as you celebrate the life of Jesus and you remember his sacrifice on the cross and his divine resurrection, know that it's only because of his sacrifice and his grace and mercy that we are able to be delivered from this present evil world system. And I encourage you to thank God for this amazing provision and to remember your friends and family who have yet to accept the only way to salvation through Jesus Christ and make it a point to lift them up in prayer that they would receive the ultimate gift. During this ancient season of celebration, I have to say, it has never been a better time to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua, the only true Messiah, and make right With the Creator. If you're not a born again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, stay tuned and I'll share with you shortly how this can be your day of salvation. Until the next time we meet again, God bless and good night. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it is absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's also impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it is impossible for you to have peace with Yahweh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins, and you can have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. The Bible actually declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step, regardless of what you may have heard. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Understand that repentance is a process, and it is absolutely attainable because of the grace and mercy and power of God. Because of Jesus Christ and his once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of all of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but he is also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, he is willing to meet you right where you are. And he will show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, but only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter six, verse 23. I am so thankful that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, a living sacrifice who shed his sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins, which offers us the ability to be seen as blameless. Before God on that day of judgment. And make no mistake, there will come a day of judgment, ladies and gentlemen. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you can begin putting on the armor of God and growing in an intimate relationship with Him. It is the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles and learn firsthand what God expects from you. If you don't have a Bible, we highly recommend that you pick up a King James Bible, which is easy for anyone to find. Jesus Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on him tonight. That's the most important part of the show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I sure hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived on our website, forthwatchradio.com. All spelled out. F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com. forthwatchradio.com. There you'll find links to multiple streaming options, and every broadcast is dated and summarized For your convenience. Everything we offer is completely free, including our mobile apps for Apple and Android devices. You can easily click the link on the website to be taken to whichever app store applies to your device. Be sure to stay tuned in every Thursday for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the donate link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.